This episode of the Stage and Story podcast is sponsored by Stage and Sweater, a fictional for-profit ministry dedicated to changing the world by equipping impoverished private school English teachers with sweater vests. Visit Stage and Sweater at www.myspace.com backslash stage and sweater tilde save the world one sweater vest at a time. I saw a godless world the mm-hmm. creators made, and I, I don't think that was accidental. I don't think that they were trying to say anything against God, but I think they're trying to reach a post-Christian world, and they just, let's just remove the idea of a higher being altogether. Okay. The higher power is actually within yourself, Rapunzel's gift, in mm-hmm. other words. You're listening to the Stage and Story Podcast, a show about story, culture, and imagination from a Christian perspective. I'm your host, Dane Bundy, president of Stage and Story and chaplain at Lifehouse Theater in Redlands, California. On today's episode, Pastor Brandon and I continue working through the framework I developed on how to watch a movie with a Christian perspective. We call it Engaging the Trojan Horse because all stories, whether they're stories for adults or children, are like Trojan horses and sneak a perspective on the world within their bellies. In the last episode, Brandon and I used Alfred Hitchcock's film Rope to give an overview of the Engaging the Trojan Horse framework. In today's episode, we use Disney's highly rated film Tangled to look at the first step in watching a movie. I call this first step searching. In searching, we act as guards in Troy, looking out for anything landing on the shore. And in this step, we simply identify the building blocks of a story. If you want to learn more about the Engaging the Trojan Horse framework, check out our bonus episode, and this is episode number four in this podcast, in which you can hear the audio of a recent webinar I did on this very topic. Well, I think it's time to jump into my discussion, friends, with Pastor Brandon on Disney's Tangled. Enjoy! And so I just watched that movie today, and... I'm not ashamed to say that I was crying at the end. It was quite moving. Aww. I know, I know. I guess I am ashamed. No. Uh, <laughs> and so I didn't put the shame on him, by the way. You, no, that was self-shamed. Self-shamed. Self-imposed shame. Did culture put that shame on you? I think so. How dare you cry, I, Dane? There's no crying in baseball. That's right. <laughs> so let's just quickly kind of walk through the, the three sections under searching, and then we can talk about what where it fits in the types of stories. Yeah, so the three sections are characters, plot, and imagery. Yes, exactly. Tangled is about Rapunzel, but it is also about Flynn Rider. Mm-hmm. And I, it was funny, I was doing a little background research, and the original title was supposed to be Rapunzel or Rapunzel Untangled, but at the last minute, the filmmakers decided just to change it to Tangled. And I think one of the reasons is because they saw Flynn Rider and Rapunzel as equally the heroes. And so... And equally tangled in their own situations. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's actually a lot here in this movie. And uh, I did a lot of doodles as I was watching it today. So we'll talk about it in future episodes. But I really enjoyed this. And Um, So I work at Lifehouse Theater, and I work for a great man named Wayne Scott, and he's written over 30 musicals and dramas, and he's talked to me about how in the beginning of a musical, which Tangled is, there's going to be a song in which the main character tells what 
he or she wants. And so in the very first I song, want more. yeah, there you go. Exactly. So in the first song, um, Rapunzel is dancing around and she tells us exactly what she wants. And, and I'm going to quote from her first song. She says she's ready for quote, her life to begin. And, uh, that kind of is the, the first glimpse into the heart of Rapunzel. She's been stuck in this castle. If you know the story and um, her evil mother, she doesn't know that it's not her mother, but her this witch has been keeping her, lying to her, keeping her there because of fear. And Rapunzel can't wait for her life to begin. Mm-hmm. And so you ended up rewatching this movie, right, mm-hmm. uh, this week? Yeah, with my daughter, Evelyn. Nice. Is that is that a, a point you're trying to make to me that... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it, it does show that, you know, and I, I really enjoyed it too. Um, when you have to watch a lot of movies with kids, uh, you, you start to appreciate the well done ones because you can only take so much of, you know, some films. But yeah, uh, she enjoys it. I enjoy it. You enjoyed it. I think that speaks to the universality of a good story. Yes. Absolutely. And and I would say then that our other main character, our other hero is Flynn Rider. And what I noticed that what he wants, which is which is kind of interesting, is that in one of the opening scenes, he's on top of a castle <laughs> and he's running away. And he talks about how he just he really wants a castle. And this, that's right. Yes. That's he's right. He's up on the top saying, look at the view. Yeah. Which I, I wonder if there's some sort of connection with um, him, them. Mm going to um, her, quote, castle. With a view. With a view, <laughs> which is actually more like a prison. Right. But uh, what he tends, what we see as him really wanting is he kind of wants the typical thing that we stereotype. He wants money. He wants leisure. There's a, there's a line in one of my favorite scenes when um, he talks about he wants an island surrounded yes. by money. And um, you remember that scene when they're all singing and dancing? They've gone into the tavern. Yeah. And I have a dream. I have a dream. Yes. So that's a great song for what do these characters want? Exactly. So these storytellers, they know exactly what they're doing when they're doing you know, these songs. They're revealing what these characters want, which will then drive the plot. And at the very end, um, <laughs> all, the, all the, the wonderful, funny characters reveal what they've always wanted. And it's all unexpected. Can't judge a book by its cover. That's or right. Or a person by its skin. Yeah. And at the very end, he says, Flynn Rider says what he wants. And then one of the characters turns to him <laughs> and says, your dream stinks. I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so that's interesting. I think deep down, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, I think deep down that Flynn Rider does want similar things that Rapunzel wants. Yes. I actually, I have a note here. Oh, um, yes. That Flynn Rider wants money so he could have freedom. Exactly. They and both I think, want freedom. Oh, I like that. I think I had that down. Oh, look at this. Both want freedom, money, and lanterns. Okay, I don't know about the lanterns. But they well, both want freedom. Well, that was part of her dream. That was part of her dream. floating lanterns. And part of that was she has to be free from her tower to go see them. So. Uh, yes, exactly. But so, those have a lot more symbolism, which right. I think we'll get into later. Yeah, yeah. So they both want freedom. Um, money is kind of the incarnation of that most tangible form for for Flynn and these lanterns, which is which is neat, is what Rapunzel thinks is kind of the most tangible form for her freedom. 
And you know what's interesting about the freedom they're seeking is he says he wants to be on his own island. Flynn does, surrounded by great piles of money. He's looking to isolate himself, mm. much the way Rapunzel already is. So we have two people wanting freedom, but they're on opposite ends of what freedom looks like. Flynn's dependent on society and robbing it to try to make a living and trying to find his freedom. Rapunzel's isolated from it. Flynn wants to be isolated on his own island. Rapunzel wants to move into society. And somewhere in the movie, they intersect, right? Oh, I like that's, that. I don't know. It just kind of hit me. So it's like this interesting, I'd like to rewatch it. Yeah. Well, that's a great observation. I, I didn't notice that before. But I think that the filmmakers knew exactly what they're doing. And, uh, they're pretty good. Yeah. Great, great storytelling in, in this one. You know, with characters, we could also ask the question of, like, which characters are being portrayed as foolish and evil? And which ones are being portrayed as wise and virtuous? Now, before we go into that, yeah. should we maybe clarify foolish versus wise? Like, when we say foolish, Timon and Pumbaa. Timon's kind of yes. the smart guy. Pumbaa appears foolish. Is that uh, what we mean by foolish? I think, I think um, yes. I, I think we could, that could be included with it. I, I think evil could be included under that category as well. Okay, because Pumbaa's not evil. No. He's just kind of a buffoon. He's just kind of a buffoon. But what's interesting, and I think why I asked this question, is because we're coming from a Christian perspective, I wanted to bring this up because sometimes filmmakers will make certain types of people foolish, ridiculous. So unfortunately, sometimes we'll see that the the bigoted or the or the rude or the dumb one is the Christian. Mm. Um, and so like just in The Office, which is a show that I enjoy, the the most, you know, judgmental, narrow-minded is the Christian. And so um, I, it is interesting for us to make note of that when we do say, okay, how is the filmmaker portraying who is supposed to be foolish or who is supposed mm-hmm. to be wicked? And so in Tangled, we see that it is uh, this woman, this witch, who desires kind of eternal youth. Mm. And so she is enslaving. She is trying to get freedom, right? This idea of eternal youth by enslaving Mm. Rapunzel in this tower. That's so good. You know what's interesting about that, too, is how you mentioned she's a witch, which she actually... I don't think she's really portrayed that entangled. Like mm. the fairy tale, I, if I recall right, she is a witch. But here you have um, Mother Gothel is her name. She has power, but not of her own. Mm. It's power harvested from another. Yes. Which I can't help but see all kinds of spiritual connotations there, which comes later. Yeah, next episode's going to be really fun when we get to <laughs> dig tuned. into that. That's right, stay tuned. <laughs> Do not leave. Well, I guess you could, but come back. So we've got three characters who ultimately want freedom. And they are going about getting that freedom in three mm-hmm. different ways. So, right. So just to recap, and this is very common in stories, is that the tangible form of getting freedom for Rapunzel uh, is f- those lanterns. Mm-hmm. Seeing those lanterns. For Flynn Rider, it's money, right, is getting that tangible thing. And then for Mother Gothel, it's it's enslaving her so that she can use what um her hair, the powers in her hair to give her this eternal youth. Right. And we don't, do we really know what Mother Gothel does when she runs off into the city? Is she just living it up? Yeah, we, yeah, she's this, we only know her when she's seeking power. Mm. So she's living her experience of the good life um, off screen. That's interesting. You know, what, what does that mean when you only see people in their need? Hmm, maybe that means, well, now we're interpreting, but <laughs> <laughs> yes. maybe that, you know, says something like when we live only to use people for our own needs, 
the other half of our life is missing. It's really mm-hmm. a no life. Which is kind of like what ends up happening, like the redemption aspect of what happens to Flynn Rider is like that is swapped. Mm-hmm. So he comes in wanting to use her for something. And then in the end of the movie, I guess because this is part of the plot, we can, we can say this. Uh, he ends up sacrificing himself, which then frees her and frees him. Right. Which there's a lot of powerful metaphor imagery in that. Yeah, a lot of good twists there at the end, which has some powerful connotations, yeah. So uh, religious imagery, do we see any religious imagery on the screen or in the dialogue? You know, I, I really struggled with this one because I, I can create mm-hmm. religious symbols out of things, but in my view, I didn't see... I saw a godless world mm-hmm. the creators made, and I, I don't think that was accidental. I don't think that they were trying to say anything against God, but I think they're trying to reach a post-Christian world and they just, let's just remove the idea of a higher being altogether. Okay. The higher power is actually within yourself, Rapunzel's gift, in mm-hmm. other words, her healing power. Yeah, that's a good point. And I didn't see any religious imagery. I think we'll talk about in the next step when we're assessing is part of the interpretation process of a movie is making application to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do see images and symbols that remind me of the Christian story, but I don't see right. any explicit imagery. On no, the which is actually, which I found surprising because you have medieval setting Europe mm-hmm. and there are, there are churches on every corner and yes. well, at least in the center of every town in medieval Europe, but not even a cross in this film. So, And that's, a, boy, that's a great point because that goes back to the idea of an artist being someone who is editing and selecting. And so there's some exactly. editing going there. So, okay, so no religious imagery, uh, which is seems to be in, uh, significant. And then the plot. How does the movie end? Well, we have the typical fairy tale. So I also read that at first Disney was thinking of going more of a Shrek-type direction and not giving us a happy ending. But we have a very happy ending. We have all the stereotypes of a, a happy ending here, right? We've got a marriage. We've got... Um, a reu- um, reuniting of families. And so there's no indication that I see in this story that um, evil is still loose and will come back. Would you agree with that? I would agree, yeah. And which, yeah, which I think, I guess, leads us to naturally to the tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this a broken, bent, or whole story? Yeah, what do you think? Well, I, I just, it seemed pretty obvious it was a whole story. Yeah, this is a whole story. This is one of those easy ones. Yeah. Now, just a, a comment on, on children's movie is, is sometimes, like, technically the story will be whole um, and it will look like good wins. But I do want our, our viewers to kind of think on a critical level because sometimes what the filmmaker defines as what is good and what is evil is actually not what is in accordance with scripture. So sometimes the filmmaker wants us to see this is a whole story. Yay, everyone's happy at the end. Mm. But then we step back and we go, well, wait a second. What they are rejoicing about, that is not something that scripture wants us to be happy about and to be dancing around for. Like we mentioned at the end of Rope, it does, whole does not always mean it ends happily. Yes. Ocean's Eleven ends happily. And we're all so glad that our handsome boys won. That is a great example. But it's so, not whole. Right. So we would say it is not whole. We would say it's bent. The filmmaker may disagree with us. Mm. They may say, hey, this whole idea of good and evil is in the eye of the beholder. And um, the authorities are just as wicked as Brad Pitt and George Clooney. 
So that's where interpretation of the, or that's where the worldview of the filmmaker comes in. But we're coming from a Christian perspective, so we can look at films like Ocean's Eleven, and we can say, nope, it's a Ben story. Yeah. So to go back to Tangled, I would say that this is a um, a whole story. There's no reason for us not to think that in this story, good wins. Yeah. Now, um, the what is the film's message? We didn't quite get to that part in the plot. No, we didn't. Do you have any thoughts of, of what the message is? You know, I didn't get the time I wanted to write down. What I would say is a, a good, I would publish this statement. Um, but if you want me to shoot, I will. Yeah, go ahead, shoot. Aim towards the guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I put our journey out of security or slavery, because security sometimes is slavery. Our journey out of security slash slavery and into freedom presents many risks. And I'm not sure if I'm encapsulating the entire story, but that's at least an aspect I saw. Yeah, I like that. I, I think what I might add would be just that that there's that self-sacrificial aspect to it. Yeah. So both of them, Flynn and Rapunzel, attempt to rescue each other by mm. bold sacrifices. So I don't know. Could you could you give that statement again and then include the... Oh, I think we could. Yeah, let's try yeah, that. I think we could. Um, our journey out of security and into freedom presents many risks, including the sacrificing of self. Yes. Or receiving the sacrifice of another. Yes. And, and, and I don't want to step on too many people's toes. A few people. But there, I didn't see any of this extreme radical feminism being presented in this film. This is more in the kind of the classic Disney feel in which the um, in which Rapunzel was okay with uh, the movie was okay with letting this man Flynn Rider um, sacrifice himself for her. Although she did try to sacrifice herself for him as well. But there wasn't this um, real uncomfortableness with a man who just naturally is evil from that framework. Um, giving her, giving his life for her. Uh, I think that, so that's interesting. I, I do want to note that it does fit kind of with the classic Disney canon in that element. Hmm, interesting. I wasn't really thinking along those lines, but yeah. Um, and some of the things I think, I think it did bring some balance to the genders because here Rapunzel actually has a lot more giftedness and yep. power than Flynn yep. Rider. Yep. And she's very naive, but... It doesn't present her as uh, inherently naive. No. She's naive at forces outside of her control. And I think that's maybe is one difference we've seen in, in the very far past Disney is you have princesses that are basically just <laughs> helpless floating beings. And that's a really good point. And, and we do, I think there's something here too, is that, that Flynn enters the story as a thief and, um, and he ends up finding redemption, and she ends up playing a big part in that. Mm. So we might even say that, um, you know, they're both kind of providing redemption for one another, which yeah. kind of reminds me, we just put on My Fair Lady at Lifehouse Theater, which is an interesting story about a arrogant professor who who picks up this lowly flower girl and makes a bet that he can change her into a lady, you know, over a very short period of time. And ends up what happening is she ends up providing him um, redemption. And uh, so I think that uh, that just kind of reminds me of this too, is that she plays a big role in, in Flynn's redemption because he at the end says that he stops thieving. <laughs> and, I, and I like that. And um, her sacrifice helped him do that. He, he, 
at that last scene when they're as a family, the mom and the dad yes. are bringing in um, their daughter, their lost daughter, and then at the very end, they, is that where you cried? Yeah, that's where I cried. Actually, that was. <laughs> then they drag they drag Flynn Rider in, and so now right. it's like he's found his home. He's um, been able to marry this woman. There's no need for him to steal what is not his own. He has what what he needs, and he also doesn't want the isolated island. That's right. So yeah. she's yeah, she saved him from a. A dream that stinks. <laughs> a dream that stinks. That's right. That's right. Well, I think that uh, I think we've covered these two films well. I think we've walked through the steps of um, of searching and looking at the characters, the imagery, and the plot, and then using that tool, the three types of stories. So I think next week, or I know that next week we're going to not have to uh, give an overview of the process. So we'll just jump right in to. The second step, which is assessing. So the leadership looks at the Trojan horse and now has to do the difficult work. I think this is the most important step because the Greek or the Trojan leadership had to decide what this Trojan horse was and whether they should bring it within the gates or leave it outside. And so we'll be, I think we're going to go ahead and continue talking about Tangled and Rope. We may add another one in, but we'll be using uh, this framework to help us understand those films. Right. Right. Well, Brandon. Should should we should I have a I have a closing comment? Yeah, please. Um, I, I think, as you said, this could feel like the most literary English English class part of the aspect. But I hope by our discussing, people can see that this is actually a very fun part of the film. Yes, and it's not necessarily like you have to sit down and it's a test. You got to get the check the boxes with the right answer. Um, we saw things slightly differently at times and exactly on point at times. And uh, this actually is a very fun stage. The guard is a fun stage. It just is. Just look and the watch and, and see what, see just the beauty of the movie. You know, and I'm really glad you brought that up because one of the extremes of a guide like this, which leads you to look for a worldview, could reduce the joy in watching a movie. And that's not what I intend because movies should be fun and uh, movies, movie watching should be fun. And you can't reduce a movie which is um, composed of complicated characters and desires and images. You can't reduce it to a statement. Right. This is what this movie means. That's a slap in the face to the filmmaker or the artist. And so that's why we do have this first step in there is because we should be able to enjoy the movie and the, the basic building blocks. But we don't stop there. We keep asking important questions about, okay, now what perspective on the world is being given to us? You can go as far as you want, and you can go as shallow as you want, as long as we keep the joy and have a guard. Yeah, I like that. A joyful guard. So, step two next time. Step two, Brandon. It's been a pleasure, and uh, see you then. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening to the Stage and Story podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. And that'd be great if you could give us a rating and share this episode with a friend. If you want to find out more about Stage and Story, please check out our website at stageandstory.org. You can also subscribe and be notified of upcoming events and free resources to help you think about culture with a Christian perspective. Until next time, this is Dane Bundy wishing you a wonderful week in Christ. Christ.